So I don't know if uh, any of you have um, ever watched the old Saturday Night Live skits. I, I, often, I often have to explain my humor, but uh, so like in, they used to, they had this thing with the, with the news reporter and they had the little bubble on the side and the, the, the bubble on the side was somebody for the hearing impaired. And typically at that time, that was somebody doing sign language and stuff. But the way they did it on Saturday Night Live was like, the guy would say, and the news for tonight. And the other guy in the bubble would shout, and the news for tonight. And just like that was, that was the joke, right? He's just being loud, not really being helpful. So like if I'm yelling at you right now, I apologize with the mask things. I'm getting used to it. Um, so yeah, we're going we're gonna to go through uh, Psalm 150 today. We've spent the last 11 weeks going through our, our series on letting the Psalms shape our relationship with God, teaching us how to relate to God through difficulties and joys. It's been an amazing survey of the different types of Psalms. Like oftentimes Christians will go to the Psalms and say, oh, I love to read the Psalms. And really what they mean is they love the ones that say, praise God, life is good. You know, they, they're, they're picking and choosing. And when we, we've gone through the Psalms, we've seen everything from praising, yes, trusting, then lamenting, thanksgiving, cursing, confessing, doubting, interceding, and loving. Like there's a, this wide range. And so the Psalms really represent the prayer book of the Bible. Each type of Psalm has taught us how to pray and relate to God in that situation. The times where I, I need to confess, the times where I'm, I'm sad, the times where I, I'm thankful. So uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, um, German pastor during uh, the World War II said, it would not be difficult to arrange all of the Psalms according to the petitions of the Lord's Prayer and thus show how the Psalter is entirely taken up in the prayer of Jesus. It's kind of amazing. We've had this, this incredible opportunity. We've been going through the Lord's Prayer every morning and we've been going through the Psalms and they've just been like knit together so amazingly. Like you can see where each Psalm, every Psalm, you can pick a stanza from the Lord's Prayer, and that psalm will fit in one of those stanzas, maybe more. So while the Lord's Prayer teaches us what to pray, the psalms really teach us how to pray. So through, through our series, we've learned how to live in this world today through its difficulties and its strangeness and lift all of those things to God. And Psalm 150 fits into the final stanza that we covered. The amen of psalms fits into the amen of the Lord's Prayer. The Psalm 150 is entirely dedicated to praise, and the final stanza of the Lord's Prayer says, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What could be more joyful than that? God's kingdom, right? This is how Jesus would have prayed Psalm 150. This is the kingdom of God, looking forward towards the kingdom of God on earth and into heaven. So like me, especially with the pandemic, you guys are probably on a bunch of text groups, you get a lot of pings. Um, I'm, I, I can say probably about 90% of the time I'm thankful for them, but then there's the other 10% where I'm like, why are people talking on my phone? I'm not even a part of this discussion. Uh, and you, you learn a lot about people, I think, in these, in these kind of text groups. You learn who's, who likes to have deep theological discussions at 1 a.m. in the morning. Not me. Um, and who likes to get up early and respond to those discussions at 5 a.m.? That's probably me, yeah. So, like, cause I, about 9 p.m., my brain shuts off, and so, like, I just kind of, boop, not going not gonna to be able to respond very well, but then in the, in the morning, I kind of catch up. So, in one of these um, 
one of these groups, uh, somebody was uh, saying, hey, you know, we're at the end times here. All this craziness, all the stuff that's going on, like, come, Lord, like, this is, this is the end. And um, another person in the group uh, said, is that how Christians think? Now, these two people love each other, and they're very, uh, and they're, they're decent people, and it was a, just such a great, honest question. Like, is that how Christians think about this? Like, you guys just want the end? And so then it was, it was a great opportunity to explain that, no, we're, we're looking to that future of praise, we're looking to that future of like, this is going to be joyful. Like, we're going to go through this, just like the Psalms have taught us to go through this and go to praise. We're looking forward to that glory. So Psalm 150 shows us that all of our prayers in all of our situations lead to praise. A life of prayer will always lead to a life of praise. If you look at the Psalms, if you look at the whole of the Psalms, there's probably about a third of them that are all sad. They're all lamentations. And they're, they're mostly in the first half of Psalms. So, and then the Psalms kind of develop from there into joy. And that, that kind of progress is what we go through. Uh, so the last Psalm, 150, we're going to talk about what a life of praise looks like. We're going to talk about where should God be praised. We're going to talk about why should God be praised. How should he be praised? And finally, who should be praising him? Let's go ahead and read through Psalm 150. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everyone that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to lift up this morning to you. We thank you so much. We thank you so much for the chance to to be here, to be on Zoom, Lord, and just to, to look at praising you, Lord. You are a good God. We want to live lives of prayer, and we want to live lives of praise, Lord. You are so worthy. So we just pray that uh, this morning that we would, uh, we would just honor you and glorify you in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first question that gets asked, answered here is, where do we praise God? The, the psalm opens and ends with praise the Lord, and the literal word is hallelujah. Hallel is the Hebrew for praise, the, and uh, Yah is short for Yahweh, Jehovah, right? So pray, literally praise the Lord. So that's where it starts, and that's the first of 13 times in this psalm that it says praise the Lord. In six verses, 13 times it says praise. So, where should we praise God? And it says, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. Everywhere. There is no inappropriate place to praise God. There's no inappropriate place to worship him. In the sanctuary, it's referring to the earth, the entire earth. And the reason that there's no inappropriate place is because God is here. He's everywhere. 
there are easier places to praise. We can, we can pick those out. I come to church in the morning or on Sunday morning, that's an easy place to praise. I'm surrounded by people who are praising. Maybe among my family who are Christians, easy place to praise. But now we start to pick out places that maybe it's harder. Maybe at work, maybe at school, maybe at places where maybe with family that aren't Christians, you get to that awkward point in the meal and you're like, do we pray? Do we not pray? Like, you know, how do I, how do I praise God in here? And that becomes difficult because we're, we don't want to offend people. But there is literally no inappropriate place to worship God. So even in those places, we are called to be worshipers. And John Piper said, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. And with that satisfaction comes that praise, right? If God is my everything, then there's, there's, there's nothing left. Everything could be, is given to him. So the disciples in Luke 19 were actually caught praising in an inappropriate place. They, Jesus was entering in Jeru- into Jerusalem. They're laying down the, and they're saying, Hosanna, and they're praising Jesus. And the Pharisees come out and say, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to stop. This is an inappropriate time, an inappropriate place. And Jesus' response says, hey, if they're quiet, even these rocks will cry out, right? Would have been the first rock concert ever. <laughs> Disciples would have had lighters out. No, no, maybe not. Um, but there is no inappropriate place. Even, uh, even there, like the, the Pharisees were wrong, right? That was the perfect place. God was there. It also says in, in, in the, his mighty heavens, every glimpse of heaven that we get with God in the Bible, he's surrounded by worship, by praise, right? He's surrounded by the angels that are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy three times, perfectly and completely and totally holy. We are going to spend eternity praising God. The next question, why should we praise God? In verse 2, it says, Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. So we praise God because of what he does and who he is. He's worthy of all our praise because of what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. It's just amazing if you think back on what God has done in our lives. We were his enemies. We were against him and he saved us he sacrificed for us he loves us because of that we can go because of that sacrifice on the cross we can go to the throne of grace we can lay our problems our burdens our anxieties down before god and it's a throne of grace for us that we go to david invites us in psalm 34 to taste and see that the lord is good that's an experience. I can hold up an orange, and I could say, this orange is the most amazing orange I've ever had. You will never, ever have an orange as good as this. If I haven't bitten into it, I don't know. And if I don't give it to you to bite, you don't know. You've got to trust me. But taste and see. Experience God. Experience the goodness of God. Because he is good. So about a year ago there was a, there was a definite tension here about the church we were trying to find a place a building a place to move to and every door we were looking for every oh this is an opportunity this is a building got shut 
right? Every single time that we, we thought, oh, this is a good plan. We're going we're gonna to move to another building. We wanted to be in Capitol Hill, but everything was like getting, getting ripped out underneath us. This, this, uh, so we couldn't make any deals, couldn't make anything like that. And so the amazing thing about that, right? We were praying about it. We were telling God, you know, what, what's going to happen? You know, how do we get this? Where do we move? If we had moved from here in, that, in those times, we wouldn't have been here during the CHOP time. We wouldn't have been able to be the church of the CHOP ministering to all the people that came in that would have not been here if not for that, right? So we had a chance to minister and bless and, 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 and show God's love to everyone because we were in this building right here. But if God had answered those prayers and taken us out of here, we wouldn't have had that opportunity. Now, we, you know, we announced today that the building's funded. We're going to be here longer. When we went from all these plans and ideas we had to now God has just been amazing and blessed us to be here. Psalm 23, 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all of the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We're also supposed to praise him for who he is, for his excellent greatness. He is worthy of all our praise for that. When we say things like God is love, or God is holy, or God is uh, justice, what we're, we're talking about is God embodies the perfect attribute of that thing. God is good. Any sort of love that we have, any sort of goodness that we have, any sort of ability to think that we have are all derivative from God. We were made in his image, fallen and then redeemed through the cross. We know what good things are because of, because of who God is. Even attributes like jealousy and anger, which inherently seem negative, God has those attributes. One of my favorite books uh, I've mentioned several times is A.W. Tozer's Knowledge of the Holy because it takes the attributes of God and does a deep dive in them. And one of the things that it says is that all of these attributes work together. There's no contradiction in God. He can be entirely loving and entirely just. He can be entirely, he can, he can be jealous and he can be patient. So all of that, of all of who he is, he is worthy of our praise. Even when facing his judgment, we praise him. His correction, we should praise him. I said in the beginning that the word hallelujah starts this psalm and ends this psalm. It's nowhere in the New Testament until Revelations. Almost the end of the New Testament is where we see the word hallelujah again. Revelation 19 it talks about the judgment that God has against, his, against the church that was in love with the world, love of worldly things. So that hallelujah, that praise was for God's righteous judgment. And if God is correcting us, we should praise him for it. So think through what God has been teaching you through this season of your life. Typically for me, it's another aspect of his attribute. I didn't quite grasp. I didn't understand. I didn't see until he's brought me along my journey with him. It's a lot like... Uh, 
my understanding of God as a father has changed so much over the years. When it started out, it was that of a child where do this because I said so. It's okay, God, you're my father. I will obey you. And then it's developed further and further into, okay, you're my dad. I'm starting to trust you. Starting to see that you, you want these things because you love me. Then it became, it's become, you're my daddy, my Abba, right? That close relationship where I trust in him. And it's not just a, because I said so, it's a, because I love you. Like, I don't relate to my 10-year-old the same way I relate to my 4-year-old. And God is patient with us to relate to us in the right way of that. Because he loves us. And he is an amazing God. And that's why we worship him. So verses 3 to 5 talk about how. Hopefully uh, some of you brought your symbols today and your lyres. No? All right. Um, verses 3 through 5 says, Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. There's everything in this list from the instrument of a shepherd out in the field to the instruments used in temple worship. Everything from soft and intimate sounds to loud brash cymbals. So how should we praise God? We should praise him in every way, always. There's, a, there's worship for God in any mood, in any, in any, any application. We recently uh, created a Spotify playlist for our home group. Uh, I still have it bookmarked and I play it a lot. It was kind of amazing. We put this together as, a, as an exercise to talk about let's encourage each other to worship and to praise. And uh, I thought that, hey, we go to the same church we go to the same home group. It's probably going to be all, you know, songs from the same radio stations. And I was just blown away at the diversity, the amazing diversity in worship for God. We have things on that list like hymns. We have Maranatha, you know, hippie songs. We've got um, uh, modern worship. We've got country gospel. Everything is on this list. Uh, we tried to limit it to five, but I've been sneaking others in there. I, don't, I hope nobody's noticed yet but um i've been putting more worship on there because it's just been great i just sometimes i'll just let it play all the way through and i'll get this wide range and it's not structured like oh this is going to flow into the next thing it's just all of its worship and all of it's amazing sometimes i'll just put it on shuffle just get even more of a mix lately i've been putting it on like okay this is the section or this is the one that i'm going to listen to like yesterday i was just blasting one of the songs over and over and over and over you know how you get that one and it's like oh it's that chorus and i've got to hit it and if this song was eight hours long, I'd listen to it. But, you know, like that, that, um, that was a um, fight song. Surrounded, Surrounded yeah. Uh, so, but, but it was like um, that song just had to play, like that worship, like that wide range of worship. We can worship God in all these ways. It can be intimate and quiet. It can be loud and brash. It can be all of these things. In Hebrew, think about, think about Amazing Grace. Is there any place that Amazing Grace can't be played? You hear it on Sunday morning and you hear it at funerals. And it's worshipable every time. It's such a beautiful song, right? There's always a worship for whatever, wherever we're at. Hebrews 13 says, Through him let us continually offer a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of, uh, that is, 
the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So now, finally, the last question, who should worship God? And I think you guys already know the answer, right? It says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Everyone, you, me, so everything that has breath. We are called to worship God in any place. We are called to worship him because of what he has done and who he is. We are called to worship him continuously in every way possible. You and me, are, we are to lead lives of worship. The Bible says that God has placed eternity in our hearts in Ecclesiastes. That simply means there is a recognition and a sense there is something more in life, in our reality, our ultimate purpose in life is not to attain success or fame or money or happiness. Our ultimate purpose in life is to know and worship God, the God who made us. Romans 12 says, I appeal to you, therefore, my brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Live a life of worship. Now, you might not be there. Like I said, these psalms, they go all the way from sadness, confession, anger, love, thanksgiving, praise. A life of prayer, praying through those things, will lead you to praise, a life of praise. So if there's something that's blocking your praise now, lay it before the Lord in prayer. Continue to lay it before the Lord in prayer. The more we confess, the more we're moving towards that life of praise. The more that we, the more that we were sad before God, the more we're leading towards that life of praise. God doesn't want you to be isolated in that anger, in that sadness, in whatever state you're in. There is a way to pray through it with God, to, to take you to this praise. It might not be immediately answered, right? You could be going through a difficult time right now and it m you can go before the Lord and the Lord might not have an answer immediately for you. Might, might be a week, months, years, never. It might be eternity that you get your answer. Remember, we're going to spend eternity praising God. All this sadness, all the things that we're praying through will be gone, will be wiped away, and we will spend eternity praising because that's all that's going to be left. So Eugene Peterson, in his book, Answering God, says, Psalm 150 does not stand alone. Four more hallelujah psalms are inserted in front of it so that it becomes the fifth of five psalms that conclude the Psalter. These five hallelujah psalms are extraordinarily robust. This means no matter how much we suffer, no matter our doubts, no matter how angry we get, no matter how many times we have asked in desperation, how long? Prayer develops finally into praise. Everything finds its way to the doorstep of praise. This is not to say that other prayers are inferior to praise, only that all prayer pursued far enough becomes praise. Don't rush it. It may take years, decades even, before certain prayers arrive at the hallelujahs at Psalms 146 through 150. Not every prayer is capped off with praise. In fact, most prayers, if the Psalter is a true guide, are not. But prayer is always reaching toward praise and will finally arrive there. So our lives fill out in goodness. Earth and heaven meet in an extraordinary conjunction, clashing symbols 
announce the glory, blessing, amen, and hallelujah. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just, we want that desperately, Lord. We want to praise you wholly, completely, and unabashedly, wherever we're at, whoever we're with, because you, Lord, are worthy of it. You are so good and amazing. Lord, we want to come to you with our prayers and we want to lay things down. You promise us, be anxious of nothing but in all things through prayer and supplication. Make our petitions known to you, Lord. Anxiety has no place. Praise and prayer do. So we just lift that up to you, Lord. We want to be a people of prayer and a people of praise. In Jesus' name, amen.